Hello, I'm Ali Baker, she, her. I'm an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Club, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today, I'm joined by my friend Phil Dyson, chair of British SFF convention EasterCon 2022. Phil has been on many convention running teams, including Worldcon in Dublin 2019. He also works at a food bank in Wood Green. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? Hey, Ali. Good evening. Good to, uh, good to see and good to hear from you, as always. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's all good. It's uh, busy at the moment, but these things always are. Yes, are they not? Yeah. Um, so, Phil, you, you chose Hell's Moving Castle for us to discuss today, um, which is one of my favourite books. How would you summarise the plot for people who haven't read it before? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just rereading it. It's the first, I haven't read it for oh, the best part of 20 years. And I, I remember the first time I read it as a teenager, being really confused by it. Yes. <laughs> And it's still not the clearest of plots on some levels, but uh, on many others it is. Um, I think on one level, it's th th there's many different levels to it, aren't there? And, yeah. Uh, mm. and on one level, it's um, it's a love story uh, in a kind of very sort of fairy taleish uh, true love story. Mm. So, yeah, true love is spelled T W U E. Um, mm. um, so the, the, the basic plot is uh, is about the main protagonist, Sophie. And it's really her journey uh, towards that transition from being a, 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 a teenager to a young woman. Yeah. I suppose. Um, with a whole lot of other stuff bolted onto it. Um, not necessarily seamlessly. Basic plot. Um, what's the basic plot? Uh, so Sophie um, uh, is the eldest of three children. Uh, her father has died. Uh, her mother has... Uh, was running a hat shop in the, uh, after the father's death. Sophie takes over the hat shop. Her two sisters, uh, one goes to be an apprentice witch, the other goes to um, work at a cake shop. Uh, her mother moves somewhere else. Uh, and then Sophie is cursed by an evil witch uh, into being an old woman uh, for, uh, for no apparent reason that Sophie can work out. She's, why is this wicked witch doing this terrible thing to me? Um, and Sophie goes from being uh, a girl of 18 to being a, uh, an old woman of 90 instantly. Uh, and we spent quite a lot of time with the book slowly discovering why the Wicked Witch did such a terrible thing. Uh, and it's no surprise to discover that the Wicked Witch is indeed a Wicked Witch. Uh, and, uh, and I won't... Uh, how many sort of spoilers are we giving out here? I'm going to well, assume people are familiar with the book because... I think we can assume that people are familiar assume, with the book. Yeah, yeah. Right, fair enough, yeah. Uh, and it turns out it's really a case of mistaken identity. Uh, and Sophie had done nothing to the Wicked Witch at all. So um, uh, uh, the Wicked Witch was trying to get to her sister. So so, so the book is Sophie... Um, so Sophie becomes... Uh, uh, so Sophie's been turned into a woman. She finds sanctuary in, uh, in the castle of uh, Howell. Uh, who is supposedly a wicked wizard, a man of a, a man of terrible reputation, mm -hmm. um, who uh, uh, repeatedly eats women's souls for fun uh, and all sorts of all manner of other terrible things. And uh, uh, he's considered the worst man in the neighbourhood. Uh, and he lives in a moving castle, hence Howl's moving castle. Uh, and the castle is, of course, rather more than. Uh, just a moving building. It's uh, it's a portal to various different spaces uh, that Howard inhabits. Uh, so again, the novel we discover through Sophie's eyes what those various places are. So, uh, and again, without going into too much detail, uh, the novel then progresses through uh, through Howl uh, vanquishing the Wicked Witch, lifting the curse on Sophie, uh, and living happily ever after. Uh, and that's that's half of it anyway. <laughs> and, yes. and, and there's more, there's a lot more to it than that, which I suppose you might want to sort of bolt yeah. uh, 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 fill in for everyone uh, I think yeah, I think we'll probably discuss some of the more bits of it, um, you know, shortly. But you you mentioned being really confused by it when you first read it. Um, what were your first impression and um, first impressions? Um, so I was about fourteen when I read it. So it I, I, I realized actually that it was. Published in 1986, so and it would 
I must have read it not long after it had come out. Mm. Um, so it was about 13, 14, something like that. And uh, I didn't quite understand what was going on uh, in a lot of it. And it took me quite a while to sort of figure out, oh, right, so that's what the castle actually is. And that's how it all fits together. Mm. And, um, it's one of those plots that is slightly opaque unless you tune into it, if you see what I mean. Mm. and uh, that's a bit of a while and for someone like me who hadn't read much fantasy up till then uh, and I was used to much more um, accessible plots I suppose yeah, reading a lot of science fiction or whatever which I was at the time and still am uh, this was quite dense and quite confusing and quite not not, not as linear as I was it, I, I, I mean it wasn't spoon fed to you if that makes no. sense no no that's uh, so, so that was slightly challenging. Um, I'd read some other Diamond and Jones stuff, as I recall. I remember the Eight Days of Luke, uh, which was a yeah. previous novel. Uh, I remember having to review it when I was about twelve, and I didn't understand it at all because I'd, I'd never read any. <laughs> Norse, I'd not read any Norse mythology. Uh, and I reread it a few years ago. And I was like, oh, of course, that's what it was all about. Oh, of course, Luke, Luke, yeah, yeah Um but at the time, uh, I, I was quite out of my depth and I didn't get a lot of the references. I didn't understand an awful lot mm. of what was going on. Um, so similarly with House Movie Castle, it's a bit, I, 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 I was thinking a lot of, there's a lot going on here that I don't understand, but I want to understand more. So I will try and understand more. Uh, yeah. uh, which is always a mark of something, uh, which is always a mark of a good book where you're going, I don't quite get this, but I'm going to try and understand it rather than just giving up and walking away. You know? um, I, I think she is an author that, that you can read it uh, read her books in many different ways and certainly I think I read my first Diana Wynne Jones book um, which was um, oh goodness the first Crestomancy book whose name I've forgotten I'll oh, put wow. it in the show notes um, come to me in a second yeah the one with Eric the who has the awful sister called Gwendolyn and oh goodness people will be yelling people will be yelling people will at be me yelling. right now and it's completely gone out of my head as well uh, yeah yeah but I, I mean I loved all of those books I read as many of the Crestomancy books as had been published uh, at that time because it was a series that she went back to <laughs> many many times um, and so I think I first read Howl's Moving Castle as in my 20s. I'm sure I did because I think I found a copy, an American copy actually, paperback in um, a charity shop. And of course, because by then I'd done an English degree, I oh, course, did, yeah. I did understand, I got a lot of the references, although not all of them. You know, sometimes I, I reread yeah, them and I come back to them. So the uh, John Dunn's even the metaphysical poetry bit, I yeah. got um, song. I read. I understood the um, the reference to that, uh, and how what an absolutely terrible bit of homework for Miss Angorian to, yeah. to set children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how I mean, how old's the boy? Um, I think he's supposed to be about twelve or thirteen. Yeah, you're, <laughs> sending, you're sending a metaphysical poetry at the age of yeah. twelve. Come on, and write That's your own second. Write your own second uh, verse of the of a poem yeah, yeah that with with no you know no pre-understanding of any of it but yeah I thought I think I thought that was hilarious um but also she he does he says uh, how calls Sophie busy old fool unruly Sophie doesn't he so there's another bit of meta metaphorical poetry there's references to Hamlet there's references to you know all sorts of things that um I think this is one, you know, why people as adults still really enjoy um, Diana Wynne Jones books for young people because you can yeah. get so much from them. I mean, um, it's that cliche, isn't it, where uh, 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 the best children's books are on one level, stuff that adults can read as well and work on two different levels. So what you read mm -hmm. at 12 is completely different to the way you've experienced it uh, when you're, uh, 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 say, 30 or whatever. You know, it's uh, it's a cliche, I know, but there, 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 there is a level of truth to it. Oh, I think that's true. And in particular, um, because up until, you know, books for children of about 
well, let's say young adult. That's you know they are a lot of the time they are being read by both adults and children, aren't they? Because yeah. picture books, children, you know, adults read to children, the parents read to children. You know, when when you're at primary school, teachers read them. So the teacher has also got to enjoy them and get something from them. Or the adult reading with the child at home has also mm-hmm. got to enjoy them. You know, of course, there are books that only children read, you know, Beast cool. Quest, for example, or, uh, you know, um, okay. whatever, whatever fashionable book there is for children at sure. the time. But, you know, when I was teaching, there was a lot of it was uh, choose your own adventure books. You know, those oh, are not. Yeah, those are not things probably that you would be reading aloud to a child. That's something the child's going to do because it's a form of gaming isn't it but yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean I certainly got into those a lot when I was gone 10 11 12 that kind yeah of I completely forgot about those yeah um they had a bit of a resurgence in the 90s when I was first teaching we right. used to see gangs of of kids sort of at the corner of a playground you know thinking what contraband are they passing round? <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually choose your own adventure books, which was wow. brilliant. It's like I'm going to pretend I didn't see this because I think if it's sanctioned by a teacher, if I go in there and be all cool teacher about it, that no, it's no, not, no, it's yeah. going to lose all its fun. So I'm just yeah, going to pretend I, yeah, yeah, yeah don't do that. pretend I haven't <laughs> seen it and, and let them enjoy it. God. Mm. Um, so one of the things I. I really liked about this because being a stepmother myself, mm. you talked about uh, Fanny being Sophie's mother, which is actually Sophie's she's stepmother. Sorry, not quite isn't right. she? Forgotten that. Yes, yes, of course. And she's I just one of, it two days ago. Yeah, one of the rare nice stepmothers or step parents in in uh, yeah. children's fiction. Um, but I think, I mean, that's also not something that's clear to begin with is it no and there's a certain amount of unreliable narration there isn't yes yes Uh, because she's presented uh in which sister tells sophie that uh, fanny's just exploiting you and she's martha martha Martha, her Uh, own daughter yes that's right uh uh uh, he says yeah fanny's exploiting you and she's just using you so that she can get about the town enjoying herself Uh, while you're stuck at the shop making all the money, well, yeah, you know, so you're in the shop making the money while she goes out and spends it. Yeah, which of course isn't actually true. Um, or, it's well, partly it's, true, but it's not the whole truth. It's not the whole story, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because she's she's uh, out building the business, so to speak. Whereas, yeah. and it's also that that realization right at the end where Sophie realizes that the stepmother is a not evil, b. Um, She's still relatively young, mm. still quite attractive, etc., etc., uh, and and has an opportunity to make a life for herself mm. uh, after uh, 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 the husband has died. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a that's a whole sort of becoming an adult thing, isn't it? It's um, it's it's yeah. realizing that, that that parents are adults too. Yes, or step parents in this case, but it, yeah. Uh, Seeing things from other people's perspective, I think, and is kind of that sign of maturity, which Mm. takes, it takes Sophie becoming old and then going back into her youth to see that, Um, which actually is one of my other favourite things about the book. I love the puns. The puns are so clever. They're like the magic, the magic is the pun you know that howl is heartless yeah, he doesn't exactly. steal girls heart well he sort of does steal girls hearts because he makes them fall in love with him but at the same time he literally doesn't have a heart his exactly. heart has been looked after by the fire demon yeah. i think that's so clever and it in is. the beginning chapters where sophie is creeping around the town like um a little mouse or an, a, a, an old woman going to see um, the one that she thinks is Letty in the cake shop, but it's actually Martha. Um, and and so she does become old before her time, literally, when the witch puts the spell on her. Yeah, exactly. It's just, exactly. yeah, it's so 
fantastic. I, I, it's a very I just clever really idea, isn't it? That. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's um, yeah. I think that's that's brilliant and such an interesting way of telling a story. What what would you what do you think is your what's the bit that kind of sticks with you when you when you were thinking about a book to um, to talk about on this podcast? What was it that made you cho choose How's Moving Castle? I think because um, I really like it because uh, it was a good start. Uh, yes. It's got, but also because it's got some depth to it. Um, yeah, and it's not a sort of standard hack and slay type stuff. Which I read quite a lot of when I was a teenager. Mm. Uh, uh, I remember reading a lot of uh, oh, what were the Dungeons and Dragons books by? Who were they by? Uh, Vice and Hickman, mm. which are quite fun, um, very much of their time, and I think very much aimed at teenage boys. Let's put it yeah. that way. Uh, yeah. Lots of scantily clad women and, uh, and heroic people with swords. Um, they develop a little more depth later on, but uh, but the first few are like. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Aimed at a sort of thirteen-year-old me uh, or a thirteen-year-old boy. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm not proud of this. It's. Um, uh, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I was reading so much, so many different things. Like, um, I mean, I, I was reading a lot of science fiction, as I said, and and not that much fantasy because fantasy had this weird reputation, even with young science fiction fans like me, as being a bit as being a bit too nerdy, if you see what I mean, which is deeply unfair. But of course, when you're that age, you're you're, you're deeply impressionable, and uh, uh, and it's kind of yeah. Well, I'm reading the Star Wars book, and I'm reading this, and I'm reading that. Uh, mm. I mean, so actually, the Star Wars novelizations of all things were huge on me. Yeah, uh, I love them. Uh, I mean, the the book of Return of the Jedi, I loved. I was about eleven when I read it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I read it over and over and over again. Um, I read a lot of um, Doctor Who novelizations. Um, yeah, fair enough. But probably not when they first, well, not when they were first published, because again, these, like I talked about with Helen last time, um, mm. I got an awful lot of books from the library, but yeah. also an awful lot of books from jumble sales. Um, because, you know, we didn't have a book shop in town. And in any case, you know, I didn't, didn't have a my family didn't have a great deal of money so jumble sales were fantastic and yeah I read a lot of um Terence Sticks as a child oh, yeah, right, yeah, an yeah. awful lot of uh, yeah um you know they are probably the fourth doctor were my favorites because the fourth doctor was my doctor but yeah I read my doctor uh, too it's you know, it's yeah. Baker is everyone's doctor right it's <laughs> so, <laughs> allegedly would, yeah no, I think I think a lot of well, certainly people of our age grew up watching Doctor Who, um, but not, um, but I, I love, yeah, they, I I don't, I think it was just the plots that interested me, really. I'm not sure they totally stand up to rereading, but um, it was definitely the plot. And I think that's where, why I still continue to read fantasy, because it's plot driven. And, you know, beautiful writing is all very well, and a lot of fantasy fiction does have beautiful writing, but I want it to have a plot and characters and incident to, to back it up, really. Yeah, yeah well, I guess, like, not any kind of novel of, of any genre, but yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, the big sort of elephant in the room for anyone reading fantasy of our generation is, of course, Tolkien, and that's... yeah. Uh, I, mean, I bounced off Fellowship of the Rings about three times before I actually finished it. Uh, once I got through it, I was like, okay, now I want a bit more. Yeah. I, 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 again, I think I was too young. God, I think I must have been about 12. Or something. I was a precocious so-and-so when I was a teenager. My late mother is no doubt looking down on me going, yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I really bounced off it. Uh, at 12 or 13 because it was just too dense and too much going on I was like I, I, I just wasn't invested in that and it took me several attempts I was about 16 mm. when I finally got into Lord of the Rings I was like okay actually there's quite a lot going on here this isn't so bad actually um, which is where we can go back to Howl's Moving Castle because his indeed. house in Wales is Port Haven Absolutely. house it's called Rivendell 
which was yes. something I only just noticed. I, and I, yeah, I saw that. The, I saw that. It's wonderful. Um, the third well, the time I've read it, I never picked that up before. Fair enough. Uh, oh, the, the other great little book I, I picked up on, and, and I must give a big shout out to my friend Haz, who I'm going to be linking this to, uh, sending a link of this broadcast to a podcast to at some point, um, is references to, to a song called Sospan Bach. Sospan Bach, yes. Well, I'm not even going to try and sing it. Um, my friend Haz uh, sang this to me uh, some years ago uh, after several pints at a pub in North in a pub in Northumberland. It's quite a long story, but um, <laughs> she will hear this and she will laugh uproariously and she will know why. Um, yeah, yeah Sospan Bach and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, mm. okay, so uh, I hadn't picked up at all uh, um, how Welsh it was. Hmm. And of course, you don't when you're 12. I grew up in southwest London. I mean, I knew, I knew nothing of Wales <laughs> at all. I mean, they play rugby, right? That's it. Yeah. You know? um, course, that's how I knew really well as a, as a kid, you know. But Hal goes to the rugby club midsummer dinner. And comes back with a roaring Come. drunk with a terrible, <laughs> and a terrible and, hangover the and next And he comes back singing Sospan Bach. He does indeed. Um, mm. Funny though, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great reference. He said, "Yeah, I used to fly down the wing for the for my university and all that yes. kind of stuff." It's, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he can't be he can't be a novel from Wales without some references to rugby, obviously. Well, obviously it's, not. It's no. not the law, right? So. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, so it is like um, very much like my one of my other absolute favourite children's books, um, or. Ch- authors who wrote Red Arts and Children was Terry Pratchett. You you know you know Pratchett's books for Pratchett, yes things. of course yes yes and um, um, his Discworld novels for for kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah that that same kind of intertextuality, that same kind of things being left as little Easter eggs almost. You kind of think about it as as you know like film Easter eggs or game Easter eggs. There's a little, yes. little things there's a, that you. There's a little you nuggets, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. That you know, I I think that I'm like you. I was quite a precocious reader, although I didn't learn to read properly until I was about seven. But I did read om, omnivorously after that, and you know, I read a lot of things that were not not that they were inappropriate because of language or gore or you know, sex references or anything, but just they were mm. too old. I was too young to read them. Yeah, so I read yeah. like Wuthering Heights when I was 10, for example, which is, so, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, it, it it's fine that it's not written for children, but on the other hand, I had no idea what most of it was about. I oh, skipped yeah. a lot. <laughs> but, so I. I thought it was really boring. And then, yeah. and then I had to do it for A-level. I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand. Oh, this is really good. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I really like this. Um, yeah. So we Pride and Prejudice, uh, uh, exactly the same story. Again, I did that for a little. It was, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, I tried to read it when I was eleven. I think it, it, um, actually, my mother, God rest her, uh, said, "Well, if you're reading a lot, well, you should read all these books." And she had this list of the classics. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, here's the canon. You should read the literary canon. And yeah, so you know, here's War and Peace. It's like I was eleven. What were you thinking? <laughs> 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 I'm not making that up. Actually, she really tried with. Oh, 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 this is yeah, the, and it's a book that's it. Yay, thick. Mm. Um, and you're going, no, no, actually. Yeah, no, even if I still haven't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I still haven't. Much to uh, 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 much to my late mother's disappointment, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I read Anna, both Anna Karenina and Miss Madame Bovary mm. when I was about twelve or thirteen. Because okay. I'd read and loved Jane Eyre, and I wanted to read another book like mm-hmm. Jane Eyre. Now, books about um, unfaithful wives who kill themselves, I'm not really, <laughs> not really the, the same. They're not the same. And again, you know, I had no idea what was going on with, with them, particularly not Madame Bovary, um, which I read no. in French in my first year at university because I started off doing a degree in French uh, at university and then suddenly went, oh my, no, I really should not have been reading this. No, you probably shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not spelled out, but there's certainly, you know, dodgy moments in uh, in, um, carriages going on, (laughs) which uh, 
probably um, a 13 year old doesn't need to be reading about but yeah very 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 much so but yes I think that's why these kind of books for children are very very good for children who are quite precocious readers because you get a lot out of them and also can go back I mean you can go back and find out more if you want to you know particularly now that you know we've got the internet and I can look stuff up but uh, I, I mean, the, the, obviously, there's, the, the, there's a whole much wider part of the children's literature genre, and you're much more the expert on this than I am, of course. But, uh, but I, I was thinking about other stuff I was reading around this sort of time. Uh, yeah, writers like Jan Mark, for example. Yes. Oh my gosh. The Thunder and Lightnings, which I which I absolutely adore. And yeah. I reread it a couple of years ago, and I was practically in tears because I loved it so much when I was a teenager, and I still love it now because mm. it really resonated when I was about thirteen or fourteen. It was. Yeah. Uh, I was at a new school and all the usual stuff, and it's like, oh yeah. wow, yeah, okay. Uh, there was that. Uh, a year or two later was Robert Cormier, actually, the American yes. author. Yeah. And so I and the Cheese, which at the time confused me a bit, although I get every read that reason was, like, oh, now I understand. Um, yeah. But The Chocolate War, actually. Yes, The Chocolate which War. absolutely blew my head off when I read it. Yeah, um, I read that at secondary school as well. Oh yeah, and I was uh, I, I, my secondary school was on the happiest years of my life, and I read that and I thought, my God, this man knows. How did he get inside my head? Because you know? <laughs> it's all about power and corruption. It's like, yes, yeah, it is. oh, you've yeah. been here. I mean, um, <clears throat> so it resonated a lot. Um, but in terms of you know, things like fantasy and stuff, it's I'm trying to think of stuff that resonated quite as powerfully. I mean. Obviously, when you're a 14, 15-year-old boy, there's a, a lot of other things going on in your head that mm. fantasy doesn't necessarily directly address. So, you know, yeah, I was doing that classic thing of all teenage boys of reading Jilly Cooper to, for the sexy bits and all that kind of stuff. Oh, teenage uh, girls too. <laughs> oh, yeah. fair play. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they got passed around with various pages with the corners turned down, believe me. Yeah, yeah, funny that. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I reread Riders uh, recently just for just for a laugh, and it was like, oh my god, this is terrible. And I couldn't put it down. I mean, it's terrible, oh. but it's yeah. brilliant at the same time. You know, she was uh, she absolutely knew what she was doing. She really was. She could oh, completely. Yeah, she could uh, create very very memorable characters um, and a very very vivid characters. I think, although you know, you you could go back now and think oh she very much had a thing about uh younger women taming older men which is a bit you know oh, it's very nice. iffy isn't it oh, very yeah. iffy there's a lot of stuff oh, yeah. that's quite abusive there's an awful lot of uh well, she seems quite, yeah she seems to quite approve of eating disorders if it makes women skinny and attracted to their husbands which is oh yeah but you know she 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 knew how to uh, get people reading and rereading, which I think yeah. is, you know, a very powerful thing. Um, and yeah, learn learn a lot from those books. <laughs> Probably a lot <laughs> of it not terribly uh, not terribly helpful in many ways. But yeah, there there were absolutely some some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just reinforce. Yeah, let's reinforce not just the patriarchy, but the, class, the English class system at the same time. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There are a yeah. multitude of sins there, but um, and, and, and a very big kind of um, double standard for men and women. Completely, completely, completely. Yeah. Completely, completely, yeah. Mm. It's uh, uh, it's oh god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she she gets a lot worse uh, the older she gets. Actually, uh, the think... later books are terrible. Yes. Uh, Yes, I, I think Riders is probably the last one I I read um, by her. I don't think I read any of the... Oh, no, The Rivals. There was one about Rivals. TV. I think it was called The Rivals. I can't remember, yeah. Yeah, it's another one with Rupert Campbell Black in it anyway. So. It was a terrible character and based on somebody I can't possibly name on air, but um, uh, based on a very real person. I'm, I'm sure of it, yeah. Uh, who is very heavily connected to the royal family, but not being a member of the royal family. That's right. Well, you know, private uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I'll the bar. <laughs> yes. Have you uh, have you seen the um, the film adaptation? I have not, and I really, really need to. Um, and that would be a really good thing to do. Um, uh, I did look it up quickly just because I knew it, I, I know it exists. So I've just not actually mm. seen it. Um, 
uh, for my sins. Uh, I saw a theatrical production uh, oh, a couple wow. of years ago, which was really, really well done. Uh, it was quite a small cast. Uh, oh, it was a theatre up near London Bridge. And who do I see it with? Uh, I saw it with Farah, actually. And Ooh. a couple of other people, Virginia and Edward. Were the only four there? Um, but it was very well done. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I've not seen the anime, and I really must. Um, it's one of these... I mean, Diana Lee Jones is one of these people who doesn't get filmed very often. Mm. Um, because she's not as ostensibly at least accessible as, as some other authors uh, because there's so much density and complexity it's people think oh that's too difficult to film and audiences won't like it um, and it's that age-old argument about you know putting books on film and it's, it, it's uh, so, mm. you know, sh- some short stories are perfect for films and novels really aren't uh, I, I think I'd agree with that um, I mean if you look at my most hated so far but this is because I haven't yet seen um, Artemis, the Artemis Fowl film but Steve and I have, have promised ourselves that we will uh, maybe when we're really 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 drunk one day that <laughs> might be the only way to deal with it yeah, yeah. but um, the, my most hated one is The Seeker the film adaptation of The, um, uh, the Darkest Rising Oh, I, I, I hear terrible things about it. I've never seen it, but uh... Uh, the, honestly, I watched it so you don't have to, Phil. It is oh, okay. dreadful, <laughs> absolutely dreadful. Everything that is, it was one of the one of the times I think that after the success of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, you know, um, film producers rushed in to to make what's going to capture the market and they made some dreadful stuff and the uh little white horse by elizabeth gooch um which i know is um virginia's favorite your your wife virginia's favorite books um the secret of moonacre and it's it's awful and it's like um it's like if you can imagine a hallmark making a children's film oh god yeah, but there's none of the none of the charm about it. It's very heavy-handed and not very well done at all. And and basically, it loses everything that's magical about the film, uh, or everything that's magical about the book. It ju- and it just doesn't work because they're they're trying to condense something that's quite complex into a very relatively short space. Um. So, yeah, I know you mean. I mean, to be fair, uh, 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 just thinking about you know um, what translates to the screen better than something's better than others. I mean, Pratchett is, is a notorious example of how mm. difficult to put anything on screen. Mm. Um, uh, <clears throat> I mean, there was the, the adaptation of uh, going postal with was it Claire Foy and a couple of others, yeah. which is about the best of them. But I think it's, it's they're not yeah. great. No, um, no. Even though I mean, there's there's bits there's things about um hogfather that i think yeah. work quite well but it's yeah it's not it's not great um although i would really quite like to see an animation of um uh the amazing morris and his educated rodents i think that would be interesting that could work better i mean um well the bbc right now there's uh an adaptation of um yeah I was going to say Nightwatch, it's not Nightwatch. Um, Guards, um, Guards. It's just The Watch, I think it's called. Yeah, it's called The Watch. Mm. Yeah, that's what it's called. And I've seen about half of it and it just doesn't work. Mm. Brilliantly. Um, it doesn't quite know what it is and so on. And it's just not funny. Mm. And of course, one of the problems with Pratchett, in terms of, in terms of adapting Pratchett, is that the humour is in the prose. Yes. Um, and that does not translate particularly easily. Uh, to a screen. I mean, Hitchhikers is the same problem mm. uh, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, the Hitchhikers movie was not very good. Hitchhikers mm. TV series was funny because they took the essence of, oh, hello, cat. That's uh, Mickey. Sorry. Hello, Mickey. Hello, okay. Mickey. Mickey's come to join us. Um, I'm sure he has opinions. Um, so the Hitchhikers TV series took the same sort of spirit of the books and was completely off the wall and just got away with it because it just didn't yes. care in a sense. 
and they had the radio production to which helped actually yeah uh, yeah uh, actually yeah you're right Uh, and of course uh, um having the radio scripts to uh, uh, as a foundation was a huge Mm. help i think whereas uh, yeah and i think that's actually the the where the the adaptation of hell's moving castle works quite well (coughs) is that studio ghibli took the book and put quite a different spin on it so there's a lot there are parts of the parts of the narr- the narrative are the same, but a lot of it isn't. So a lot of it's um, anti-war, and a lot of it's about misuse of power, rather than it being the kind of upended fairy tale that uh, essentially it is in in this book. But if you were to cast a film of Howl's Moving Castle, I mean, who would you cast as Howl? That's a tricky one because Hal mm. always struck me as a bit of a rock star. Yes, me too. So David Bowie is the name that comes to mind, funnily yeah. enough. Um, okay, young David Bowie. Because um, I've always thought, I've always imagined him as Adamant from the. Oh, 19, yeah. Yeah, oh, 1980s yes. Adamant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good idea. I like that. That really works, actually. Um, yeah, in full sort of Prince Charming. Yes, uh, absolutely. The very dan- the dandy The whole pirate aspect. look, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. that he, he could do that. And of course, he's he is, he's both um, very good looking, but also slightly um, standoffish in character. You can sort of see him yeah. playing a part and not, you know, but once he's once he's got someone interested in him he's not gonna want necessarily to have anything more to do with them it's the charming aspect that's it's charming literally yeah it? it's, yeah it's, absolutely it's, i mean i suppose one of the elements of the novel of course is 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 is, is Hal's own journey from being this slightly narcissistic yes. irritating immature young man into somebody much more um much more interesting yeah that's yeah uh, we should probably sort of talk about the second book we probably should actually oh gosh yeah you're quite right yeah <laughs> i could only so, chat about that all night but it's uh, yeah totally um okay so my my choice i'm gonna have to take my glasses off to read the blurb on the back now is um <laughs> It's, it's age, it comes to us all. Um, Strange Worlds Travel Agency by L.D. Lapinski, which um, the blurb on the back says, when 12-year-old Flick Hudson is invited to join the secret Strange World Society, she's thrilled, but quickly realises that something isn't quite right in the magic multiverse. Blizzards are hitting in the middle of summer. Entire city streets are disappearing and one suitcase leads her to a world that has been completely completely abandoned. Soon, Flick is breaking all sorts of society rules and pushing the very limits of magic to try and figure out what's going on. But will she be able to fix things before all the worlds, including her own, vanish completely? I think that's quite an interesting blurb. In that it leaves out one of the main characters of the book. Well, yes. <laughs> it's not just about her. No, um, Flick's, Flick's not doing this all by herself. No, um, no. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yes, there is there is the element of multiverses in there, which is sort of what reminded me of, of Howl's Moving Castle, because you, would, you yeah. mentioned the portal aspect yeah. of the castle that you can open a door and go into different places, places yeah, yeah and with uh with the um with the suitcases that's what you do the, yeah uh, you can you can step through a suitcase and go into another place yeah. uh ultimately which is um you know one of the things i i really liked the idea of you know sort of traveling yeah, don't forget elegant, your, yeah it's a very elegant idea uh, yeah I mean, there's all sorts of intertextualities going on here, but uh, I mean, one of the early ones that struck me, and I, I, don't, I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but I'm thinking the suitcases, is this a reference to the luggage in Pratchett? Maybe yes, yeah, but I did wonder about that as well. And also Mary Poppins. And, oh, yes, of course. Yes. You know, and Doctor Who, actually, the, the use yeah. of an object 
to to travel through time and space is is um is something I've always loved the idea of you know that something that looks like something quite ordinary is actually Mm -hmm. something quite extraordinary which is almost the opposite of house moving castle something that looks extraordinary is actually incredibly ordinary inside so yeah Yeah. Um, i I have many notes here but um Uh, first of all, I really enjoyed it, and thank you for recommending it. Uh, oh, I thoroughly that's enjoyed great it. It's fun. Um, uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, it reads like a debut novel, not in a bad way, but you think, this is, is this a debut novel? Oh, yes, it is. Mm. And it also mm. is very obviously the first uh, book in a series, mm. and it turns out that the next one is out, I believe, at the end of next month, according to Amazon. So. Oh, the, the, the next book is actually out already. I think it's the oh, third it? one that's coming out. Oh, right. I stand corrected. Fair even enough. better. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I will track them now. Um, and there's lots of sort of familiar tropes at the start, aren't there? Mm. It's, you know, moving to a new town, poor family. Mm. She's getting ready for a new school. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't know anybody. She's all on her own, all this kind of stuff. Um, there's some quite subtle other things thrown in like her father's an orphan mm. if you picked up on that one which i yeah. thought was quite an interesting one that's kind of throwaway line but i think that might be important later so she's so she's very ordinary feels very ordinary and suddenly it turns out she has this amazing talent this amazing mm. ability yes. which i'm sure we are going to see a lot more um there's all that going on um so there's a certain uh, escapism there isn't there it's mm. the uh, uh, the standard uh, young adult thing of it, 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 it's a standard young adult trope, isn't it? It's uh, yes, you know, you're very alone, you've got no friends, whatever. Oh, actually, you're really special, you might get to save the universe, kind of thing. Uh, so there's that. Um, that was one that struck me. Although, um, what I liked about the way that that played out was that the way that Jonathan, who's the other, you know, um, main character, and, and they're linked by their names, Jonathan Mercator and Felicity Hudson. So they've Mm. both got the surnames of explorers, which I thought was rather lovely. I did have to look that up. I didn't I didn't just know that off the top of my head. (laughs) I I, I got the Mercator one, but but Hudson, I was like, (laughs) hang on, who's Hudson? I know, yeah. Hudson's uh, Bay, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. So that was something I I liked, so that they're both kind of explorers. But... Jonathan says, oh, do you want to have an ordinary job all your life? Do you just want to go to work and come home and, you know, not be special? And and Felicity's thinking, well, actually, that's my parents. And they they do that. And I don't particularly want to be anything very different from my parents because I want to still be close to them. And I liked that. I thought that was a really nice touch where a lot of other children's books are you know you're a harry a wizard harry and off you go and never look back um and it's also course, that the parents but it's also that the parents are are, are it, it's a close family they clearly yeah. they clearly uh, are very supportive of her they clearly love their daughter mm. uh, and she loves them so it's not as if she has a horrible family no it's unlike harry potter yeah, yes. uh, where obviously his family become rather hermione etc yeah it's, um <clears throat> She has a very close family who she adores. Okay, she has his baby brother, and that causes its problems because you know, the baby brother is 10 years younger and yeah. he's quote a surprise. Um <laughs> all of that. Um, but that's quite sympathetically done. But the parents are clearly very supportive, they work hard, they do everything they possibly can to, uh, 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 and are just decent, decent parents, uh, in as much yeah. as they possibly can be. So so yeah. it does kind of subvert a lot of those tropes, doesn't it? Because a lot it of does. these tropes are you're either you either have no parents or yeah. terrible parents or an evil stepmother or something like that or mm. whatever it is. But in this case, it's no, they're very ordinary and they you know, seem like nice people and do what they possibly can. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, good on them. You know, it's um, yeah. I like I liked that as well, um, and and it is really nice to see um, family who are. Uh, working class family within a fantasy book because that isn't still yes. not something that yes. you know she's not she's not gone away to seek her fortune um yeah. you know she still comes home and goes back to her her house which is very very clearly said it's a housing association house they they live yeah. you know 
they live in a they were living in a council flat they now live in a housing association house and that that's really nicely done i thought yeah, yeah. Um, i mean her old man's a dustman literally so it's, yeah, her um, old man is a dustman and her, her mum works in a uh works as a post, post office clerk yeah. yeah so that that's that's beautifully done um jonathan is much more mysterious though in many yeah, ways. Yeah, th- and I think he's he's a lot less well-defined. I, I suspect we'll see a lot more of, of him later. Yes. Um, and I don't... I, this may or may not have been a deliberate decision on the part of the author, but it's... it's He comes across... Well, it, it, at first you're kind of going... He seems a bit of an insufferable, arrogant little 18-year-old. Yeah. And then you kind of get, get a sense of why. Mm. So there is some complexity there. And I'd like to have seen more of that, and I suspect that's been... Sort of defer to the second or third books, mm. and third books, I should say. Yeah, um, I mean, did you did you pick up that Jonathan was trans? Quite no, I didn't. On? I didn't see that at all. Oh, yeah. So I didn't read that at all. Okay, I missed that. There's two bits. Well, there, there's the chapter where Jonathan is on his own after his family has disappeared yeah. and that's but there's there's two things firstly he gives flick a pink t-shirt to yeah. wear and then when they're going i think it's the city of five lights where he gets he has brings some things with him to barter yeah. and one, oh, of, the one of the badges it's a badge and yeah yeah. yeah 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 and it says something like happy but uh, happy birthday to a special girl or or something like that i can't remember exactly what the wording is it says oh you know she thought i was you know my aunt thought she thought i was a girl you know and that's really nicely done and then there's also a non-binary character in the book as well one of the thieves is non-binary yes yeah i did i did get that yeah but uh, what i really liked about it again was like there's these two aspects of inclusion in the book where people who might not normally see themselves in fantasy books can see themselves but it's it's not the point of the story the point of the story is not that jonathan is trans the point of the story is not that flick's family are working class and struggling financially the point of the story is that they they've got to get together to solve the problem of what has happened to jonathan's dad and i think that's I think that's absolutely wonderful. You know, it's nice to go mm, mm. seeing people in books where, where children can read and see themselves in a book. But the point of the book is they are in that story, but it's yeah. not about their, it's not traumatising to read. You're not, no. yeah. And I, I think that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have read a fantasy story about a girl going to comprehensive school in Hertfordshire as a child where there was mystery and fantasy and uh, things to solve. I think Harry Potter would have been better in many ways but um, if it had been set in a scene school in Hackney you know it's uh, yeah that would, that would have been a much more interesting that would have been a much more interesting book in many ways. Yeah. Uh, I, I Academy. With, yeah I, I have a lot of issues with Harry Potter actually but um, uh, uh, that's before are... we and that's before we get to, you know, uh, uh, Joanne being a, a, a turf and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Uh, and let's not go there. But it's, um, I mean, the whole boarding school thing is is really boring to me because I went to a boarding school. It's an absolutely horrible place. So let's not go there. But um, yeah, it, and actually in the research I did for my thesis with children at a primary school in East Sussex, um, <laughs> All of these children were going to be going on to secondary school, you know, uh, comprehensive secondary yeah. schools. One was going to an academy. None of them wanted to go to boarding school. Whereas right. that was my dream when I was 11 or 12. I wanted to go, but I wanted to go to a girls' school. Uh, and I wanted to go and, you know, rescue orphans in um, the mountains of Austria. That was what I wanted. It wasn't just like... <laughs> I didn't want to go to the posh girls school down the road from me, you know, yeah. Rittensworth Masonic School was not where I was aspiring to go at all. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I blame Edie Blyton for a lot of this. Oh, obviously you talked about Blyton last yes. week and uh, uh, she has a lot to answer for. 
Yeah, but I think it's as a location for heroic girls, boarding schools are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, But yeah, they're not they're not necessarily um, beacons of inclusivity, are they? Um, Was there anything else you wanted to add about uh, um, either of the books? Well, just thinking about um, uh, um, uh, Strange Worlds, where uh, we're talking about you know intertextuality and stuff like that, and obviously we mentioned Gaiman and and Pratchett, and there's some very obvious um, uh, um, throwbacks there, and uh, which is great. Uh, The other one that came to me was was Hitchhikers, funnily enough. Oh, tell me more about that. Because there's bits where he says, read the guide. Yes, of course. Right? And, and she's like, going, oh, yeah, of course. And there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a section on uh, whatever it is about uh, um, about the suitcases and so on. Or how to do yeah. with a fay was another one. You know? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so on. And he thought, oh, okay. Where have I seen that before? And, it's, and, it, and it is Ford Prefect, so Peter Arthur saying, right. <laughs> you know, it's exactly that relationship at that, that point anyway. Is. Yes. So, so there's a definite influence there, I think, um, consciously yeah. or, or, or not. But uh, but that, that that really struck me. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I, sure I, it's I, conscious because yeah, it, we, we actually says read the guide. You think yeah, okay, <laughs> that's 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 someone someone's read some of that. Yeah, well, L.D. Lapinski is uh, she is a big fan of of fantasy and science fiction, and in particular, mm. uh, she's a cosplayer. Um, she cosplays oh, right, Loki. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I think I think her pronouns she they. I'm not sure. I'll have to check that. But okay. yeah, I, th- I think that's um, I think that that's brilliant. I mean, the, the one I one I picked up on was Star Wars, when they're in Tam's forest, and mm, they get caught. And the Ewoks. Yeah, well, they're, 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 they're described as little. They are described like little sim- Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That not. I love that bit. That because I. I have yeah, with the quote in the net, and yeah, because that is exactly yeah. Return of the Jedi, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's that's another throwback. Mm. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I am quite fond of Ewoks. I know they're not everyone's favourite, but I I quite like them. Yeah. They have their problems. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's. Uh, what was I going to say? Um. Yeah, just think about class and inclusion. I mean, I think I wish we saw more of that. Mm. In just in general, I and mean, mm. I, I don't think we see that enough. Um. I mean, obviously these things are getting better, but um, hang on a second. I just have to shout at a cat. One second. Oh. oh. Yeah. So what, what happened with, uh, which cat was that trying to that, steal widgets? That was Sam. <gasps> that was Sam. Oh, Sam, do not go after my sainted widget. Uh, well, it's currently downstairs somewhere, so I think. Mm. Yeah, because otherwise she would be shouting at Sam. So, uh, Fair enough. I mean, he probably deserves it, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 but he thinks his second name is No. Because we keep saying <laughs> <we keep learning, laughs> Sam. No! He's a nice cat, really. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll cat. meet him. You will meet him one day, I'm sure. My Too first much. cat was called Sam. And so I have a very fond of black cats called Sam. It's an excellent name for a cat. Yeah, I have excellent names for cats. Yeah. Yeah, we called him Sam after Sam Wise. And the oh. he's Sam the not Sam the not so wise, actually. <laughs> He's very sweet and very brave and very lovely, and he's not very clever. <laughs> oh, well, well, that is actually quite like Samwise, isn't it? Yes, in some ways, yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry, um, sorry, books, yes. Just think about class and inclusion, and yes, there needs to be more of that. And we're slowly getting there, very, very, very painfully slowly. Uh, mm. And the more of that, the better. Um, well, what I'm not fond of is that there are a lot of young adult books at the moment, hmm. which have a, a lost princess um, vibe to them, and I'm not keen on that. I, I would like, yeah, yeah. I would like characters to be able to be heroic and have adventures and not have to leave their class origins and their class identity behind. And I, I would like to hope that we are going to be getting there a bit more um with that yeah. as uh and with that it's 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 i mean things like star wars really don't help no they don't so you know this idea that okay i'm picking on star wars a little bit but it's so luke skywalker is you know this farm boy oh he just happens to be the uh, uh, to be the son of the evil villain yes kind of 
And then, in, and then in the most recent ones, they bottle it and do the same bloody thing. I know that's infuriating. with Ray, and it's like, oh, she's the emperor's granddaughter. It's like, oh, for crap, oh, for Christ's sake, did you have to do that? Yeah, and could she not just be, you know, a brilliant, ordi- yeah. ordinary girl? Yeah, I know, it's infuriating. I know. And it was set up in in episode eight to make it that to make it mm. so, and then and then and then, oh God, and they completely bottled it. Mm. And I know that was. I, 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 well, I know we all know that that was um, basically a, 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 a pushback against um, the really hostile reactions from certain quarters to episode eight. Mm. And I just thought the studio bottled it, and I really hate them for that because they could have done something amazing with that. Yes, it's such yeah. a frustration, it's such mm. a massive lost opportunity, and and they completely blew it. And it's it's startlingly unoriginal. Yeah, you know, it's like she's the some... emperor's granddaughter. Oh, please! Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> How many times have we seen this plot? Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. You know? Yeah, it, it's what um, gets called extruded fantasy product, isn't it? Yeah, basically. It, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, go read some of, uh, I don't know, uh, say the Malazan books of the Fall of you know, the Ericsson series. Yeah. Which is very much rooted in the soldiers. Uh, and the more ordinary people. Yes, there's wizards and some gods and the occasional king, but the most important character in the entire series is an ordinary soldier, and he is the heart and soul of that series. And, that and also, also uh, in the Chronicles of Padan, um the Lloyd Alexander books, when oh, Taran, Taran the third assistant pigkeeper, turns out to be just a third assistant pigkeeper. Excellent. In the end, he is chosen to be a king, but he is chosen to be a king because of his um, personal qualities, not because of his magical blood, which is, um, you know, that's quite, uh, I mean, given that they were written in the 60s and 70s, that was a much more common thing back then. The kind of, the more... um, you know, yeah, the, the the lost prince, lost princess thing is is a far more modern construction, actually. Which, um, you know, particularly was picked up in the nineties um, for, I think, a lot of political reasons. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a disappointing thing that these quite ordinary children don't get the opportunity to to be magical and special. Anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, Harry Potter is, is the obvious example here, isn't it? It's like, oh, God, not another one. <laughs> you know, and, you are the chosen Lyra. one. Oh, mm. oh, Lyra, yeah. yeah. It's like, even Philip Bulbert, it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Could, they're, we, they're, could you just not do this anymore? They're, they're yeah. quite sort of startlingly middle middle class in many ways. Um, well, yeah, there is that. Despite the radical the... nature of a lot of the other stuff he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Uh, Okay. Um, um, okay. So, uh, thank you very much, Phil. I think we're going to have to leave it there. Um, no. Well, oh, indeed. <laughs> where can we um, find you and and of course EasterCon twenty twenty two online? Okay. So the easiest place to find me online. Uh, let me think. Uh, I mean, you don't so, have to be found online if you you know if you don't want to be. No, that's fine. Um, uh, just find me on Twitter. I'm at Phil Dyson on Twitter. Uh, more importantly, uh, go to at Reclamation 2022. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Shit, what's the um, Twitter address? I think I that's this. right, but I'll put it in the show notes anyway. So, uh, yeah, find me at Reclamation on Twitter. Um, uh, chair at, reclam- at reclamation2022.co.uk is. Uh, also a really good place to find me. Please come to EasterCon. It's going to be brilliant. We have some fantastic guests uh, yeah. who are Mary Robin at Cow, um, Philip Reeve, Zed Show, and Nicholas White. Uh, it is going to be somewhere in England, and we will be announcing very, very soon yes. uh, where, where it's going to be. Uh, I, in fact, spoke to the hotel today. <gasps> excitement so we're getting there we are in contract negotiations everything is frustratingly slow for obvious reasons uh, yeah. but we are, we, we are we are we are getting there and we're almost there and, and uh, it will be happening soon uh so i look forward to seeing as many of you as possible at eastercon um and yeah uh thank you 
I've really enjoyed this. It's really good to talk oh. to you as always. Yeah, well, thank you. And and it's always good to talk to you as well. I'm just going to do my endy blurby bit, uh, which, you know, that that's a professional broadcast te- term. Technical term. Technical yeah, term, yeah. endy blurby bit. Endy blurby bit, yep, yep. Very important. So, thank you for listening to episode two of Fantasy Book Swap. You can find us on Twitter at, at Fantasy Swap. I just can't get over how dodgy that sounds. On Facebook at Fantasy Book Swap or email fantasybookswap at gmail.com. You can, you can now subscribe at some of your favourite podcast places or you can download from Podbean. Thanks are due to uh, Steve Vapor Charles for editing and new production support and to Jack Sadler Johnson for the use of his lovely music, Bliss. Until next time, goodbye.